Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. Beautiful spot here. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. So in the Nature Journal, we focus on the critters and quirks of nature found on the campus, the wide surrounding Flathead Basin, and all across Montana. Our producer is Colin Burkhardt, an employee here at the FECC Library, and thanks to Morgan Ray, he's been very supportive, offering the library as our podcast home. Well, today we're going to talk about wilderness areas and their importance to conserve natural resources in Montana. And we're going to include some fun stories as well. And Colin, you know, right over the Swan Range behind us here, behind campus, we have the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. That's kind of nice to have close, right? Yeah, it's real close by. And it's uh, the complex itself, we'll use that as an example, was established in three different areas. So the Bob Marshall Wilderness itself was established in 1940, and it was named after Bob Marshall. This was before the Wilderness Act, even, and we'll talk more about that. The Great Bear was established in 1978 and the Scapegoat in 1972. In fact, when I used to go in the Scapegoat, it was called the Lincoln Backcountry. And so those three wildernesses then are combined into one large Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex. And do you know how large that complex is, Colin? It's got to be over a million acres. Exactly. It's 1.5 million acres, one of the largest in the system. It's about the fourth or fifth mm-hmm. largest, and I think it's largest in Montana. And there's a dozen more wildernesses in Montana. The Mission Mountains, the Cabinets, the Selway Bitterroot, Rattlesnake, Anaconda Pintler, Gates of the Mountains, Welcome Creek, and many others for a total of about 3.5 million acres of wilderness wow. in Montana. That's, that's a, a lot of wilderness in one state. It's, it's a lot out there, yeah. So what is wilderness? You, you and I were talking about there's little w and there's big w. Right. It's a, it's a legal designation, right? Exactly. Little w wilderness, like you, you go out in an area of national forest and there's no roads, there's maybe a trail, but it just seems like you're way out there and you think, boy, this is like wilderness. But that's like little w wilderness. Mm-hmm. It has to be legally sanctioned and classified to be big w or designated wilderness. And the Wilderness Act of 1964 defined it. And let's, let's talk about how it's defined. So wilderness is the community of life untrammeled by man. Man is a visitor who does not remain. No mechanized or motorized equipment is allowed in wilderness, and there's one active airstrip in the Schaefer Meadows area of the Great Bear. There's about a dozen administrative cabins, but pretty much that's about it. So it's, it's an area where man visits but is, does not remain. And that's the, that's the uh, leave no trace policy that the park rangers will tell you about, right? Well, leave no trace can be used in national park or forest or anywhere else. But yeah, you definitely do that in the wilderness. Pack it in, pack it out. And so wilderness protection itself means there's no logging or development. But you can manage fires. In some situations, you can control fires if they threaten the administrative cabins, things like that. So the Bob Marshall, then, is considered by many as the flagship wilderness in, in the uh, whole system. As we said, the complex along with the Great Barren Scapegoat is 1.5 million acres. Now let's, let's tell us a few stories and talk about some specific parts of the Bob Marshall. Uh, first of all, there's one of the most famous places in the Bob is Big Prairie. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yep. Big Prairie is this awesome ranger station. It's way into the middle of the Bob. Now I'm going to tell a little story about that. One, in, the, in the 1920s and 30s, there was a guy named Yalmer Workula who was the station guard in there. And he actually had climbed up into the storage area in the, the cabin near the Big Prairie Ranger Station. He was trying to get a pack rat that kept bugging him, you know. In there. And so he's climbing up. His pistol that he had in his, in his holster, the 22 pistol, it caught the hammer on 
one oh, of the no. little steps, and it flipped out of his pocket, out of his holster, hit the floor and, and went off, and it hit him in the arm and went all the way up through into his neck. Oh, gosh. Now, remember, he's 35 miles into Big Prairie. He has no way of, but they do have administrative long-line phones. Even then they had them. So he called out to Missoula, and the district ranger dispatched Bob Johnson, who was a famous flight backcountry flyer in Missoula. He flew into Big Prairie, picked up Workla and brought him out to Missoula, and he was taken to the hospital. And that's why they have that airfield out there, right? For yeah, and they, like you that. can't use that airfield anymore, but you can use Schaefer Meadows. But the fun thing, the interesting thing about it, wasn't anything fun for him, and that is he was really worried because he was this very competent ranger that was a great hunter, firearm expert and all that, and he shot himself. So what's the first thing you want to do and when that happens? You want to try to kind of cover it up a little bit, right? Well, he wasn't real proud of that. Well, I was doing research on this. This was for one of my books. And I would just happen to be looking through the, the Daily Interlake from 1930 or 31 or whatever. And the story of him being shot and flown out was on the front page of the Daily Interlake. <laughs> and so I'm sure he must have cringed when he saw that. And, oh, yeah. And so he did survive. He lost a lot of blood. So that's a story about Big Prairie. The Chinese Wall is another very uh, awesome place in the Bob. And you've read about that, right? I read about that one recently, yeah. And it's, it's about 13 miles long, and it's about 1,000 feet high. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like this serpentine wall. It's just gorgeous, just beautiful. And this gives you a good example of why Wilderness Big W is so important. My sons and I climbed to the top of the Chinese Wall from the east side, Benchmark. It's about a 25-mile hike on trail. So we got up there, and my oldest son, who's kind of a daredevil, said, well, I'm not going back the trailway. I'm going to go right down off the top of this thing, and we'll cut a, a lot of distance off our trip. I said, no, you can't do that. We can't do that. But we did. We found a way around, and we snaked down through the cliffs, and we ended up back at White River Pass and saved like 10 miles and a lot of time. So that's just one of the ways you can, in a wilderness area, that it's so wild you can usually find alternate ways of getting around trails and things like that. Big Salmon Lake is the largest lake in Winnie Wilderness in Montana, and that's located in the Bob also. And Big Salmon Lake was a place where the Native Americans used to, to congregate and chip on their arrowheads. Mm. So they would do that there. And think about it. If you're, if you're trying to tell someone a landmark in a vast wilderness area, Big Salmon Lake is four miles long. Mm. And it has this beautiful outlet that narrows down and comes out of it. So you can tell someone, okay, Big Lake outlet, and you know exactly where they're talking about. And it's just really this gorgeous, beautiful lake. Another uh, example of why the wilderness is so important is the Flathead River, the South Fork of the Flathead River. The South Fork of the Flathead River is home to the oldest, largest stream-dwelling cutthroat in America. There's a population that I studied, and they, can, they could be up to 20 inches long and up to 11 or 12 years old. So I got to ask, John, what are the hunting and fishing regulations like in, in Big W wilderness, you know, the legal, the legal jurisdiction? Great question, and there actually is a wilderness regulation in the Bob and Great Bear and all, all those contiguous wildernesses. That is, a, if you're fishing in a stream, you can keep three cutthroat. This is generally in the Bob, but check your regulations. You can keep three <laughs> cutthroat, but they can't be over 12 inches. In a lake, you can keep three cutthroat of any size. So and that has really resulted in a great rebound of the cutthroat fishery. But yeah, you can fish in wilderness areas just like you can anywhere else in national forest. You can hunt. You can hunt elk, deer, whatever's legal outside the wilderness. A lot of people don't understand that. And then you and I talked very briefly about uh, can you run in a wilderness area? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've heard a lot of people doing these big, like, trail runs, you know? Exactly. It's become popular recently. I think we talked about it in our 
uh, Game Warden episode with Ben, was it Ben Chappell? Yep, that's exactly right. And, you know, in the Bob, it's getting more and more and more popular. In 1992, about 30 years ago, I did a 44-miler, and that was unusual to do that in a day. Very unusual. No one was doing it's it. It's a long right. ways. Yeah, and I, I followed a good trail. I went from uh, Holland Lake basically out to, or, or around to Spotted Bear through the, by the Bob. And so it's it's was very rare then. Now it seems like everybody's doing it. Like every year I do a 31-miler into Schaefer Meadows and back, and people just chuckle now, like, oh, that's not very far. <laughs> do that one day. When I was in there this year on July 22nd, there was a big group of people. It's broken up in smaller groups running from Benchmark all the way through the wilderness and out. It was like 30 people. Wow. And not all in one place, but they were, you know, using that, breaking up into smaller groups. But And they were running like 60 miles in it's a 24-hour like the, uh, the ultra running? Yeah. It's really become popular in the wilderness. So that's a big, been a big change uh, in, mm. in the Bob, especially. So we talked about the Bob being established in 1940 by this administrator, Evan Kelly. Why was it established before the Wilderness Act? I'd imagine that they were trying to... Uh, keep the area protected before then because the wilderness act didn't come along for a while till right. they started realizing that these wildernesses that couldn't really be classified as a national park but they weren't not they they weren't uh not worth protecting obviously right. they needed somewhere in between that's exactly right and it's named after bob marshall the great wilderness conservation hero and it was established in 1940 because bob died in 1939 at only age 38. He was an amazing guy. He walked 40 or 50 miles in a day in the wilderness often. In fact, when he went through the Bob in 1928, he, ran, he walked 182 miles in five days. Wow. That's a lot of country to cover. So he tragically died at age 38. And he was famous for those long 40-mile days in the wilderness. And, and as I said, he walked 182 miles in five days in 1928 and met all the rangers in there and so on. He was a forester, actually. And he was also known for his Alaska explorations where he named the Gates of the Arctic in 1929. And, he, and remember, he's only 28, 29 years old when he's doing these things. So he was way ahead of his time. Then we had the old-time rangers like Henry Thole in the 20s and 40s who trekked through the bob in the winter, went on these game patrols on snowshoes where they checked on the wintering elk and deer. And actually, they shot mountain lions. Any, any treaders they saw, they shot them because they thought they were bad animals at the time. Then there's a number of old-time outfitters in there. Um, you look through old records and you find them. Joe Murphy started in 1919, and he would start from his ranch in Ovando, and he would take <laughs> large numbers of people through there on horseback trips, introduce them to the wilderness, and try to support the wilderness. And one of his trips, he invented the sport of trout wrangling. That's what I call really? it anyway. Yeah, what happened? How, how does that work? Well, his guests were tired of get, waiting in the south for and getting their feet cold. <laughs> so they said, well, we're just going to fish from horseback. So they rode out <laughs> in the middle of the river, and they were fishing from horseback, and when they get one, They'd lower this net down and catch it, and then one of the other guys would walk their horse back over to the bank, and we, they'd put it in a net. So I call that trout wrangling. But that was a, what Joe did is he took in large numbers of people, dignitaries, friends of Bob Marshall, uh, manufacturing, large manufacturing owners, uh, teachers, mm -hmm. philosophers, all kinds of people, and he would take them in, show them the great areas of the wilderness like Big Salmon Lake and the South Fork, and then they would learn to want to conserve those areas right and nowadays you know you look in there it's different because a lot of the bob has been burned because of all these drier years we've had and we're not suppressing fires and wildlife it's still beautiful though and there's lots of trailheads that lead into the bob yeah i mean has it been decided whether or not it's healthier to let the the, the burns play out and then you know recover on its own or to whether to to stop it in its tracks yeah good question in, in the wilderness you know basically with the spirit of the wilderness act 
you should probably leave most fires burn, even though they may be burning too much of the habitat up at this point. But uh, yeah, that is the concern. You have to stop them though if they're going to build the big administrative historic buildings. You got to right. try to stop them. Now, what they do is they put foil around the building, and they'll try to use a, a you know they'll try to fell enough trees just to protect the building and hopefully it won't burn up. Those of you out there that have never been into a wilderness area, I hope you'll take advantage of it. Just grab your backpack, your fly rod, head into one of those areas. There's all kinds of trailheads all around the complex, east and west of the Continental Divide. And let's get in there and enjoy this wonderful resource. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next week.